Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tune in for the program. Jesus died not because society is unjust to the poor, but because every person in a society is a sinner in need of God's forgiveness, only made possible through the shedding of blood, Christ on the cross. As Australians, we like to be fair. We like to give a fair go. There's a fairly new title for it now. We call it social justice. Now, although the phrase may be new, the concept isn't. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was talking to the kings of Judah about it way back when. It's timely that we look at it now. So let's join Dr. Corbett in Jeremiah chapter 22 for a look at real social justice. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come, to speak, to have your way, to minister how you want to minister to take your word and burn it in our hearts. I pray that you would use me to hide behind your word, to speak your word in a way that your word will be received. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Jeremiah 22, and I run the risk today of being misunderstood. In fact, I stand before you in fear and trembling that I I am almost undoubtedly going to be misunderstood. And I'm going to be misunderstood by people on this side of the debate. I'm going to be misunderstood by people on this side of the debate. So as long as I upset everybody, I'll be okay. (laughs) Because what we're going to deal with is becoming a very hot issue. And I think we need to be able to deal with this as a church. We need to get our head around this. All too often, the world dictates how we should think. We need to be able to figure some of these things out. And and this has been part of a a major news item for the last week. Now, for those that know how I preach, uh, we have uh, essentially mapped out what is a a 200-part series on the book of Jeremiah. And these things are, are forecasted, and some of the inner team have the... The, the, the message titles and the texts weeks, months in advance for what we're doing. And so this was put out this was put out months ago that this is what we'd be dealing with today. Little knowing that over the past week this would be the pretty much the issue that was debated in Parliament with such heat and passion. At one point they debated, I think it was until something like four nineteen AM one morning this week, and they still couldn't come up with a resolution. And we're going to come up with a resolution in the next 20 minutes. So, this is what I'm going to call real social justice. Real social justice is something that I think is going to sound a little bit foreign to most of us. Because we hear this term, social justice. We hear it from the world. We hear it from uh, a branch of Christianity now that thinks that Jesus is not about saving your soul. He's about social justice. And if that's where you're coming from, brace yourself. You're going to be really upset with what I have to say. Because I want to show that these two words, social justice, social is going to mean 
for everyone. And justice is going to mean equally and fairly for everyone. I don't know how you feel when you see a rich person. How do you feel? Do you feel like the only way they get rich is by being dishonest? How do you feel when you see a rich person? Now let's flip that equation. How do you feel when you see someone in abject poverty? Do you feel they're getting what they deserve? Do words like lazy pop into your head? How do you feel? These are the two extremes. We're going to see that Jeremiah has something to say about this to the the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah in particular. In this section from Jeremiah 21, 22, 23 is a section that he's addressing the kings. And, And what's really strange about this that commentators have noticed is that Jeremiah is not speaking to the kings in chronological order. In fact, they're a little bit jumbled. And so something else is going on here. He's making a point. He wants to say something. And when we get to the fourth of the kings that he addresses, he actually predicts this king. He calls him the righteous branch. Jeremiah 23, I think it's about verse 6. The righteous branch, the Lord our righteousness is coming. And he's speaking of Jesus. So as we look at all of these issues and we see how each of these kings, starting with King Josiah, who we're going to refer to in a moment. And then we see, just to give you a little bit of background, King Josiah was, was eight years old when he became king. And King Josiah, it says, did right in the eyes of the Lord. And we're going to have a look at what he did. And he brought about what we might call, in, in using the definitions I'm going to use, real social justice, fairness for all. But here he's addressing what is at the heart of what, what um, uh, is really the problem. And that is that people were being mistreated. People were being mistreated. And if we could take one thing away from this, and I hope we do by the time I'm done, it would be this. People matter. People actually matter. Can we see the real thing here? Reading with me, we're in Jeremiah 22. We're going to be reading verses 1 and 2, then we're going to pause on verse 3. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, verse 2, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Here we are, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Right there in that verse, we have the cry of the Old Testament prophet for what we are going to call social justice, real social justice. Note the categories of people that are listed here. 
those that have been oppressed because they've been robbed, those that have been wronged, those that have been the victims of violence, those that are, that are foreigners, those that are fatherless, those that have been widowed, and those who are the victims of murder. And it's not just the one who's been murdered. See these categories of people? And, and it might be easy for us to think, yeah, government should do something about this. And you're probably in that other group that's really going to be upset with what I have to say. Because I think we've abdicated responsibility to government that should never have been given to government. When I came to Tasmania nearly 20 years ago, I, I came from a church where we had every colour, not quite every nationality, but we had a few. I lived in Melbourne, one of the most metropolitan cities on the planet. I think it, has the, it either has the first or the second highest proportion of Greek people in the world, more than Athens. It had entire sections known as you know, Chinatown and things like this. And I came to Tasmania and there was none of that. Now things are slowly changing and I'm going to suggest for the better. And I know that there are some people who, who don't agree with me, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> And I heard comments, I heard derogatory comments from people that shocked me. Derogatory comments about people of different colour skin, derogatory comments about people of different ethnicity. And, and, and I was stunned. I've never preached about it, I don't think I've ever made reference to it, except when we started to get some Afghani refugees here in Launceston, and you remember in the early days when the, when the refugees started turning up in our city, there were some horrible things that were said and done in newspapers. At one point, I mean, I, I, I could not hang my head any lower in shame when some group of idiots went up and spray-painted obscenities all over the house where some of these people were staying. I just thought, what an absolute disgrace. So when we talk about real social justice, we, we are talking about everybody having equal opportunity to what is fair. No matter what colour skin, no matter what your nationality, no matter who your parents are, no matter what education you have or don't have, we're talking about being fair to everyone. Now, how do you feel about people who are different to you? Yeah, it's, it really is my prayer that we eventually in this church have people from India who come to this church with the smell of curry. Do you know what you smell like? Looking, I don't smell. What do you say? I smell. Yeah, you do. You smell of bread and milk. You know how I know? Because I've been to cultures where they don't eat much bread and they don't drink much milk. And they tell me that's what I smell like. We have a smell. We don't even know our smell. Do you know what your accent sounds like? 
Accent? I don't have an accent. Who's he talking about has an accent? I don't have an accent. Everyone else has an accent. No, we have an accent. These are just some of the things that we can't see, we can't smell, we don't identify. And sometimes when we meet people who don't share those things, we, we act ungraciously and ungodly. So this is what most people mean when, when we use the term social justice. I'm, I'm noting in this Jeremiah passage, it goes on, it says, For if you will indeed obey this word, then there, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, or the song says Gilead, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabited city. Verse 7, I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbour, Why has the Lord dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and worshipped other gods, and served them. Weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. Jeremiah prophesying, what would eventually happen to these people? So I want you to see the connection here. We're going to make this connection, I hope, very clearly from both New and Old Testament. And that is this. Real social justice, as most people use the term, for them means social welfare. Now, it may be even on an international level, uh, foreign aid or so on. Now, there are some nations that have truly benefited from foreign aid. And then, of course, there's a, whole, there's a whole swathe of nations that have not been helped by foreign aid. In fact, arguably, foreign aid has hindered them because it's usually been on the basis not of a gift, but as a loan. And those nations are being crippled at the moment by phenomenal debt. Now, what most people mean by real social justice is simply taking from those who have and giving it to those who have not. Does it sound like Robin Hood? That's what most people mean. That's why I ask the question, firstly, how do you feel when you see someone who's wealthy? Does the thought enter your head, boy, they must have worked hard? Because I don't think it enters the thinking of most people. Most people think of social justice as simply taking from the wealthy, taking from the rich and just giving it to the poor. All right. I want you to see, particularly as we, we look at this, that whatever your concept, whatever a country's concept of, of uh, social justice is, it's grounded in how they regard God. It's grounded in whether they regard God as somebody who is the word arbitrary, that is, he chooses to 
put some down and he chooses to promote some and there's nothing you can do about it. And why does he do it? Well, he just does it because he wants to. That's what arbitrary means. That is the concept of the crescent God called Allah in Islam. Your concept of God could be that God cares for all people. God values the dignity of every human life. Every person matters to God. And in a society where that is the prevailing value, and let me say, it used to be in Australia, and there's about a 23% of the population that vote a certain colour that want to change that foundation. But with that foundation, people are treated with dignity and care. So your concept of God and how you relate to God affects how you regard social justice. There's a, there's a growing group, or it was growing, they, they call themselves emerging Christians or the emerging church, the emergent church. For them, social justice is about what they call the red letter gospel. They only take the word to Jesus and he, Jesus was all the time on about giving to the poor and looking after the poor and give away everything you have and do that. Well, the reality is if you actually weighed up the red letters of Jesus, you, you, you'll discover he didn't harp on a lot about that and that the gospel really is at the heart of it. It was because Jesus died, not because society is unjust to the poor, but because every person in a society is a sinner in need of God's forgiveness, only made possible through the shedding of blood, Christ on the cross. So, I'm not even going to suggest a balance, I'm going to, uh, because balance might simply be standing in the middle of two equally opposite and wrong errors. And, and so, we, we may come up with something, when we talk about social justice, that actually looks completely other than these two extremes. Care nothing for the poor, just preach the gospel and hope they get saved. Don't preach to them, just give them money and give them everything they need and pour heaps of guilt on those that don't join in the program. Use little children in posters with big eyes. Oh. <clears throat> now, when we think about spiritual foundations and how it affects social justice, in particular countries, we could think of Russia, we could think of Stalin. He had a particular spiritual outlook on life and he said he was going to bring in social justice for the entire people of Russia, the Soviet Union. And that resulted in some 38 million people starving to death and dying and them not particularly caring. That doesn't sound like social justice to me. So it really matters. If we had the time, we'd go into... Second uh, Kings twenty two twenty three those two chapters and we'd see what King Josiah did. Let me give you a bit of a summary. King Josiah was the grandson of King Hezekiah, arguably after David, one of the the second or third greatest kings mentioned in the Bible. Someone who spent most of his life doing right, except the last few years. At one point he was sick and, and, his, and uh, Isaiah comes to him and says, you are going to die. And Hezekiah comes into the temple, pleads for his life on the basis that who would lead Israel, who would lead Judah in worship of God. And God relents and grants him 15 years. And in that 15 years, he, he wrought 
through his foolishness, not his wickedness, his foolishness, some incredible damage. The most incredible damage he wrought was the birth of his son, Manasseh. Manasseh removed the altar from the temple and set up a pagan altar in the temple. And on that altar, he took his own newborn son and had him slain and sacrificed on that altar. He then established little houses around the temple precinct for temple prostitutes, for people to come and in a supposed act of fertility offer their worship to Moloch and Astarte and these Asherah gods. And his son, Josiah, comes along, reigns from the age of eight. And I don't know who it was that got in his ear, but they taught him the ways of God. But it was King Josiah's reforms that brought peace into the city for a brief moment. And what did he do? He cleansed the altar. He reestablished right worship. He didn't allow for there to be this idea that all gods lead ultimately to the one true God. He got rid of those false ideas. And because of that, people started to be treated differently. Whatever your spiritual foundations are will determine how you treat people. Now, let's bring this to a close. We're coming into the New Testament now. We're going James chapter 1, verse 27, and James puts it this way. Here's the social justice verse of the New Testament. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, how often do we hear The church should get back to this. We should care for widows and orphans. We should look after the poor. We should set up food banks. We should do this, do that, do that. If we had time, we would look at the principle established in the old covenant for dealing with poverty. And it's called the gleaning principle. It's not where you give. It's where you give opportunities to the poor. It's it's such a foreign concept today. People would be shocked to hear it. The idea is that you harvested your farm but didn't go a second time and you let the poor in to go and harvest it. Now notice this verse. I deliberately did not read the second half because oftentimes people who are rallying for social justice don't connect the second half of this verse. They don't get it. Well, let me help you get it. And it establishes this point that how you treat people fundamentally comes out of how you see God and how you relate to God. And this is it. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. That means you honour God with your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul. And if you do that, the second, the, 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 the second of, the, of the two great commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew 22, love God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul and, help me out, love your neighbour as yourself. You get those two right and you can't separate them. You suddenly get social justice right. What a bizarre thing that it takes. I don't know how many people died. 70, 80, 90 people drowned on that boat. And we're arguing over points of law. Good night. And we could argue that they're economic refugees and they're all trying to cheat the system. Yeah, we could. But for Pete's sake, put them on Christmas Island and keep them alive. What the heck? Here's how we can help others. And I want to conclude with a New Testament verse. 
It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And I think this kind of sums up where we as believers should be. Because in, under the old covenant, they did social justice to be right with God. In the new covenant, we do social justice because we are right with God. It's that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not yourself. This is the gift of God. Lest anyone should boast, there's the grace. But you know the next verse, verse 10? For we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry. All those things Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 25 when he said, if you give to the hungry, you give to me. You clothe the naked, you clothe me. You visit someone in prison, you visit me. For as much as you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. Colossians 3.12, here's my concluding thought. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. You know where social justice really kicks in? It kicks in when someone, you're about to go in that shopping centre car park and someone comes in and gets it. Now social justice is going to kick in right about there. You either get out, shake your fist... In Jesus' name, let the plagues of Egypt come down. Or, or you go, God bless you, no problem, I'll find another one. Now, don't go making this practical, Pastor. But that is social justice. Care, show compassion. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would reflect your heart for people that people really matter, that you help us to care for one another. You help us to care for each other in the church. You help us to care for those outside of the church. You help us to do what we can for the poor, for those less well-off, for those who are suffering genuine injustice. Help us to be agents of righteousness and justice, I pray. Now, Lord, for those who are listening to me right now, no matter where they are, whether they be in Perth, by webcast, whether they be in America, by the internet right now, whether they be in other parts of Tasmania right now, watching this, listening to this, or right here in front of them. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never had your sins forgiven, if you've never come to Jesus and asked him to forgive you of your sins, you do not have peace with God. You are one prayer away from being made right with God and having peace with God. One prayer that says, Lord Jesus, because of what you did on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago, where you took my sin and you died on the cross in my place, I now ask you to forgive me and make me right before your Father. Help me to now live for you, I pray. Amen. We can talk about social justice and say it's a great idea, but what about when it challenges our own shores? More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Real Social Justice, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week when we'll be looking at the first part of The Church, another Finding Truth Matters.